0: Hey, I'm about to bring this way down, all right? Now listen, I was here for first service, so I'm gonna bring it down, and then Angela's gonna bring it back up when I'm done, all right, but y'all are gonna to have to like, sit through me being real dark for a minute, okay? You okay with that? Yeah. All right, all right, we're gonna talk a lot about shattered expectations, that's what we're gonna talk about today. Um, and shattered expectations are brutal, they're really brutal, and I think some of us in this room might have experienced those shattered expectations where we think something is gonna turn out one way, And it's completely different, often not for the better. And think about people that we love, people that we're going to spend our lives with, and then those people pass away or move on. That shatters our expectations. If you have children, think about uh, we have these expectations for our kids, and then a lot of times, well, every time, they don't go the way that we want them to go. And that's tough, that's hard. A partner leaves you, shattered expectations. Uh, your dad transitions gender. That'll shatter your expectations. (laughs) In 2016, I thought that our nation was united, and boy was I naive. Uh, Shattered expectations. We're probably more divided than we've ever been. Shattered expectations are real. And so the thing with Palm Sunday is we get to celebrate, but the truth of the matter is Palm Sunday is all about shattered expectations. So we're going to have to go to that place today. So let's go there. Let's talk through it. And I want to read it for you. This is what it says. It says, "Jesus sent two disciples, saying them, "Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and He will send them right away." This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt and on the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while they cut branches from trees and spread them on the road, the crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, son of David. All right. This feels like celebration. It feels like religion. I'm going to tell you right now that this has nothing to do at all with religion. Nothing. It has nothing to do at all with Christianity, with spirituality. You know what this is? This is like, um, this is like guerrilla art. All right? That's what this is. This is a political grandstanding. This is Jesus making a political statement. This is, this is revolution. That's what this is. This is revolution. You know what this is? I'm going to use this word. This is, this is going to be War. That's what this is going to be. We are going into war. And why are we going into war? Because anybody who was an observant Jew in the time of Jesus knows about this prophet. In fact, the prophet I just talked about a second ago in our scripture reading... Everybody knows who this prophet is, and the prophet's name is Zechariah. And so Zechariah prophesies a couple thousand years before Jesus. Well, maybe not that long, but a thousand years before Jesus. And he prophesies this. He says, you know what's going to happen? And he starts to name a bunch of Israel's enemies. And he says, Israel's enemies are going to be vanquished. They're going to be turned to dust. They're going to be consumed by fire. That's what's going to happen to Israel's enemies. And then I'll read this part for you in Zechariah. It says, I will take blood from their mouths, the forbidden food from between their teeth, And those who are left will belong to our God. But I will encamp at my temple to guard it against marauding forces. And never again will an oppressor overrun my people. For now I am keeping watch. Ooh, so everybody's waiting and they're waiting because at some point Israel's gonna be victorious again and at some point Israel will be powerful again and at some point Israel will be independent again and when will that time come? When will victory happen? How will they know? What sign will they have from God? They're about to be politically free again. I'll tell you what sign they have from God. Say, daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt The full of a donkey. That is the sign. Jesus walking through on a donkey during Palm Sunday. That is the sign that the Roman Empire is going to end and they're going to be vanquished and they're going to be defeated and Israel's going to rise up and be great and powerful. People are ready to go to war. This is not a parade, right? It's not St. Paddy's Day. We used to have this big St. Paddy's celebration. Everybody would be hammered, like, waving things. (laughs) I used to think of Palm Sunday like that. It is not like that. This is people ready. They're getting riled up. This is a riot. They're getting ready to go to war. And so what do they do? They start taking palm branches. Hold up those palm branches. They start taking those palm branches and they start cutting them and throwing them on the ground. And here's the thing. You want to know something about these palm branches? They were illegal. You know why they were illegal? You're only allowed to throw them on the ground for one person and one person only. You're only allowed to throw them on the ground for Caesar you know what you would say to Caesar when Caesar would come around? You would say, Hail, Caesar. Uh, Caesar, you're the king on Most High. And all the things that they're shouting, what they're doing is they think there's a new king coming with Jesus. And so they're practicing civil disobedience. And they're cutting palm leaves. And they're saying, Yeah, we know it's illegal to do this. And we know we could get killed or arrested or beaten for doing this. But Jesus is our new king. We're not going to be defeated because Zechariah tells us so. And they're throwing those palm leaves out like, What now? <laughs> that is what they're doing. That's what these palm leaves represent. It's a big deal. The Pharisees come around. This is what the Pharisees say. I'll read it for you. They come around and they say, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And basically what Jesus is saying is, what's done is done. I'm here to fulfill a prophecy. I'm here for us to be victorious. I'm here for us to change things. I'm here to make you uncomfortable. ooh. I see myself in the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders. And um, the Pharisees were pretty comfortable people. They didn't have anything that they had to give up. They weren't depressed. They weren't marginalized. They had a little bit of power. And isn't it funny how you're pretty cool with an empire when you're comfortable within an empire? That's what's going on here. So Jesus says, nah, your time's up. Enough is enough. You're not going to be as comfortable as you were before. The rocks are going to cry out if these people don't. So be prepared. Get ready. And see, here's the thing. See, the Roman Empire knew about this. Why did the Roman Empire know about it? Because it was the time of Passover. And so do you all know what Passover was? Good. First service, nobody knew. And I was a little disappointed in them. But second service, you all are better. (laughs) don't tell first service. (laughs) Passover, what Passover is, it's a time where you celebrate the liberation from Egypt. That's what Israel does. You're celebrating your independence. And so what the Roman Empire does is they say, well, we're going to let these people celebrate their Passover time, their independence, but they're not going to get too carried away. And so you have these two paths up to Jerusalem and they both go up the Mount of Olives and on one side you have Jesus coming in on a donkey and you have a riot and you have people ready for war and they're ready to revolt and they're ready to fight and on the the other side you have the roman empire coming up and guess what palm leaves are being laid at their feet too and pontius pilate is there who we'll hear about later on and they have chariots and horses and there's armor and there's shields and there's sun glinting off their helmets because every year they don't want the israelites to get too many ideas about getting too independent But this year, this year's different. It's coming to a head. And they're both coming up the mountains. And and, and a fight's going to break out in Jerusalem. And everybody knows it. But Zechariah said, this is the time when Israel will win. And so Jesus gets up there. And what does Jesus do? He cries. That is a letdown. He cries. Crying is not a strong enough word. Weeping is not a strong enough word. This isn't like when your child's tired and they cry. It's not like that. Y'all have any crying children? You know about them? This isn't like when you've had a little bit too much to drink and you start crying, you're like, I love you. (laughs) It's not like that. It's not. This is this is scary. This is a whale. It's a whale, it's a scream, it's it's haunting. A few years back I was in grad school. When I was in grad school, it was in January, it was the middle of the night, 3 a.m., and I heard this wail, this scream, this noise that will stay with me for the rest of my life. My roommate uh, knocked over a candle in his sleep and started a fire in his room, and he couldn't get out. So he was screaming, wailing, scary. So my roommates and I woke up, and we broke down the door, and he ran out with this sound that I, I'll never forget. It was terrifying. He was crying and we were all outside and we're all wearing like shorts and stuff because it's the middle of the night and it's January. We are watching the firefighters put out our house. And he just kept wailing like that. That's the wailing that Jesus is doing. That's the crying that Jesus is doing. That's the weeping. It's terrifying. It's haunting. It's heartbreaking. As he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it and he said, "'If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace.'" But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side and they will dash you to the ground and you and the children within your walls and they will not leave one stone on the another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And you have to imagine everybody who is ready to fight, everybody who's ready to revolt, everybody who's ready to go to war is going, wait a second, you're telling us that we're going to lose? But that's not what the prophecy says. What are you talking about? My expectations are shattered. And then they scatter. They leave. And what do they say? I didn't expect that to happen. Wow, this is nothing like I thought. And not only do they leave, they leave in fear for their lives because they just tried to start a war with the Roman Empire and anybody who finds them, well, they're getting arrested. They're getting killed, right? So now they're scared, and so they only have one recourse. Distance myself from Jesus. I want to distance myself from this king. So what do they do? A couple of days later, as we know, they'll start shouting, crucify him, crucify him. I wasn't there. I didn't do it. My expectations were shattered. That's what happened to me, and Jesus weeps. Why does Jesus weep? I said this before, I say it all the time, but it's important for us to know. Jesus weeps because in Jerusalem at that time, 10% of the population had 99% of the money. That's why Jesus weeps. And Jesus knew that there were poor people, stricken in poverty, systems against them who were giving away 80% of their income every single year, keeping them in a cycle of poverty. And for that, Jesus wept. Jesus wept because people were sinners. Now, they weren't sinners like we're sinners. Okay, we're, you know, when we do something stupid. Not like that kind of sinners. But in that day and age, if you were lame, if you had disabilities, if you had mental, dis- whatever, mental challenges, if, if you were poor, you were that way because God saw that you did something wrong and God was upset with you, so God struck you with that thing, whatever it might be. And so your lot in life was as a sinner just because. It had nothing to do with your behavior. You know how it says Jesus ate with sinners? Jesus is just eating with people who a system has been against the entire time. That's what's going on, and Jesus weeps for that. Jesus weeps because in the kingdom of God, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you learn to be the what? Anybody know? The The least. You learn to be the servant. And yet over and over and over again in Jerusalem, you are, the, you are at the best, you are at the pinnacle of God's love for you when you are powerful, when you have it all, when you're comfortable. And it's backwards, and Jesus weeps for that. And I think Jesus weeps today, and Jesus weeps for us. I think Jesus weeps every time we put doctrine ahead of humanity. Every time somebody says, I identify as LGBTQIA, and we go, yeah, I love you, but only that much, because doctrine says this, Jesus weeps. And every time there are women who say the spirit is upon me to preach the word and we go, yeah, that's great, but the the doctrine says Jesus weeps. And every single time someone like me hears a story and it's a story of someone who tells me about systemic oppression or story, uh, someone who tells me about a blind spot I may have or somebody who tells me something about my privilege and I go, no, no, I don't buy it, Jesus weeps. Every single time we call someone subhuman or an animal we don't give them access to things that keep them alive, Jesus weeps. Whenever there are bodies that lay on the ground and we say, well, I expect that, Jesus weeps. That's why Jesus is weeping. So on this Palm Sunday, this is tough, but i got to ask us, for whom do we weep? And then i got to ask us an even harder question. For whom do we refuse to weep? For whom do we refuse to weep? Dorothy Day famously says this, and I'll read it for us. She says, I can only love God to the extent that I love the person I love the least. For whom do we refuse to weep? And so, our expectations on Palm Sunday are shattered. We sing and we celebrate and it's good, and it will get good again, I promise. (laughs) But I gotta ask, for whom do we refuse to weep? This Palm Sunday... Can we see it through Jesus' tear-filled eyes? Maybe we refuse to weep for the person who hurt us. And I get that. I don't want to weep for the person who hurt us. That's ridiculous. And then Jesus comes around and says, you want to be great in my kingdom? Love your enemies. I don't want to weep for the leaders of this country. In fact, I might not. Thank God for forgiveness. (laughs) But we could. For whom do we refuse to weep? We refuse to weep for the people that are sitting right here among us. You know what we're terrible at? And I'm saying we, big C, big church across America, we are terrible at looking around and showing selfless love. Instead, we say to ourselves, how am I going to feel better after this? Or how is this going to make me feel good? Or did it all work out the way it should have worked out? Am I going to leave with just a little bit more hope? Instead of saying there are people in a community who need empathy, they need to be sat with, they need legitimate help, and I refuse to weep for them. For whom do we refuse to weep? Sunday's coming. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of joy. We're going to celebrate the fact that every single one of us, without fail, full stop, is made in the image of God and loved fully the way that we are made. We get to celebrate that. We get to celebrate that the risen Christ says, there is going to be peace in this place. And there is going to come. we are going to come to a place where there is equity. And we are going to come to a place where there is unity. It's going to happen. And we get to celebrate next week, but this week... This week, we got to sit, and we got to see everything through the tear-stained eyes of Jesus Christ. And we have to ask ourselves, who are we not weeping for? And then this week, I challenge you to weep. I challenge you to mourn. I challenge you to come with us as we do the Stations of the Cross this Friday in East New York as we weep for those who have been laid on the ground and left there. challenge you to weep for the family member that, that you're estranged from challenge you to weep for your unmet expectations. I challenge you to weep for the fact that inequity is real. Systems are broken. And then I challenge you to work towards the peace that's coming on Sunday. I challenge you to give voice to the peace that's coming on Sunday. I challenge you to fight for the peace that is coming on Sunday. See, this this is about unmet expectations. It's about shattered expectations. It's about darkness. And yeah, we need to see through the eyes of Jesus Christ. So for whom do we not want to weep? And as we mourn and as we grieve and as we fight and as we work, take heart. Sunday's fast approaching. Amen.